Hello once again and welcome to another episode of the Looking After Nature podcast, bringing you close to nature and wildlife in Hampshire. My name is Andy Davidson and I'm here with my colleague and fellow worker, Carly. How are you doing, Carly? Hi, Andy. I'm good, thanks. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm Actually, when I left the house, it was absolutely tipping down. But I can see blue sky at the moment. Let's I hope, know. Let's hope it retains that. And where are we today, Andy? Yeah, we're on the River Itchen. When I say on the River Itchen, we're actually standing on a bridge, sitting over a beautiful wooden bridge over the flowing waters. It is beautiful. And I can see some swans down there. I can see something else. And we've been hearing lots and lots of birds, haven't we? Yeah, and it's a, it's a, as I say, hopefully we'll see loads more. It's a really good place. Water's always good for seeing birds and things like that. It is. And why have we come here today? Well, we've come to meet Abby, who works on the Rights of Way team. And we're going to talk about walking in the winter, what we can see as we come down along this path here. Um, hopefully that'll be lots. Hopefully. There's actually a rainbow there, look. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, people can't see that on a podcast. But I know. it is very pretty. <laughs> right, should we go and find Abby then? Yeah, let's go and say hello. All right. Hi Abby, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you Andy, how are you? I'm fine, it's really good to meet you again. Um, now, we've said we're by the River Itchen here, can you explain where we are and what we're doing here today? Yeah, so we are in the parish of Itchen, Stoke and Ovington. Um, and this route um, is a rather nice route um, because it's next to the River Itchen, which I know you and Carly have already said. Um, we've come to look at this route today just because it's very interesting for the habitat that's next to it, the types of species that we get here. Um, and it is also a little bit of a management issue um, for the access team mm. because of it being next to the river due to erosion, um, dogs going in the water mm. um, and yeah. Now you said the access team, do you work for the access team, don't you? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I used to work in the local teams, but I'm now sort of more in a um, county-wide role so I'm a countryside access development officer. Um, so I do all sorts of different little projects and things like that. So is that encouraging people to use our rights of way? And Yeah, so uh, my work will be working with volunteers. Uh, it will also be about encouraging um, people to use the network um, and working with some of the local access forums as well that we have um, that sort of help us with, with our work and, and give us ideas from the user's perspective. Hmm. Now we're talking about it being rain. I mean, it's clearly, we're in, well into November now. Yeah. There's big puddles everywhere. We've got the river yes. in there. There's a ditch just, well, it's not a ditch. That's a flowing stream, isn't it? Yes. On the other side of the pass. So we're sandwiched between water, aren't we? Yes. So this route is um, sort of almost on a, on a bank, on a causeway between a backwater and the main river Itchin, um channel on the, the left-hand side here, um, which means it's doubly exposed to, to water erosion, Yeah. Um, which has in the past... Um, been a problem for us which we've had to um, do revetment works on on the route mm. um, and we do that generally on a yearly basis because it is a continuing once you get one bit done there's a next bit to do next year and it, it does continue yeah. um, but it's quite straightforward work to do but because of the, the the nature of the site it's a triple si so it's highly protected you've got highly protected species here you do have to do all the work under licensing which we have to get um, most of the work that we've done on this route we've actually done with the help of sparshot students as well that's um, sparshot agricultural college yeah sparshot agricultural college um, which I'm an ex-student of, which most, most of our staff are <laughs> along the way or had some link to. 
Um, so yeah, so we've got them out and they've been doing work. And in fact, I did work on this route as a student. Um, and then I was then here instructing them when they came out. So mm. I've got a bit of an attachment to this route, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> now we said site of special scientific interest. That's the yes. triple site, isn't it? Yeah. And that's because this is a chalk stream. Yes. And it's beautiful. Maybe not as clear as it normally is, but it's beautiful. I can see the bottom right yeah. across here with the weed. We should be able to see some fish. Yeah. Um, and it differs. I mean, we've had a long period of rain. Yes. And other rivers probably would be quite muddy by this point, wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, so the River Itchin um, is aquifer fed, which mm. means that the water soaks into the, into the chalk bedrock and then is, is pumped back out again. So it normally comes out very clear and it comes out mineral rich as well, which is part of the reason just in uh, a trout a jump trout up. trout jump out there, just behind us. <laughs> splashed behind <laughs> us. Um, yeah, so the root is um, mineral rich, which is why it has that, that diversity. Yeah. Um, and is quite unusual. And these chalk streams are quite, well, not unique. There are other places, but because, I mean, clearly we're on the chalk here. There's a lot of chalk in Hampshire. Yeah. You've got rivers like the Test and the Itchin and the Meon. Yeah. And as you say, the water falls on the land around the headwaters on the downs and as you say soaks through the chalk yeah. and it can take up to 60 years to go through the chalk and come back out again yeah. can't it yeah it can um and the other uh, the other thing that makes it a bit unique is the well not a bit but very unique is the fact that there are roughly in about 200 chalk rivers in the whole of the world and we have about 85 percent in yeah. in england um and most of those are in the in the south of england because of the the chalk geology that we have um, and we're lucky in Hampshire that we have three of them. Mm. Now you mentioned revetments, can you explain what they are? Because most, yes. most people probably know what a revetment <laughs> is. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, so revetment is the work that we do to shore up the bank. Um, now there are various types of revetment work um, that you can do, which can be hard revetment or soft revetment. Um, now hard revetment would be something like concrete, walling, something like that. Um, so there's soft, a bit here, isn't there? There's a bit here in front of us. Um, wood boarding as well would, would be classed as hard revetment, which is what we're looking at here. Um, but soft revetment is, is the preferable um, method because it's more nature friendly. Um, so this means that you can either put in um, hazel faggots, which then you, you backfill with, with natural material and then they collect um, material as the water goes past and it, and it creates that natural bank which is more of a soil rather than that hard concrete type of revetment yeah. um, and that's much better um, for for wildlife um, we also use um, coir logs as well which are made out of coconut coir so the hair on the coconut yeah um, that's, that's found in Hampshire, isn't it? <laughs> it's not, it's not, but it does mean that it's sustainable and it also means when it breaks down, it's not adding anything to the environment that's plastic or anything like that. So and it's a byproduct. It's of a byproduct, else, it? yeah. Because yeah. uh, you mentioned faggots. I mean, some people, maybe some of the older people, will think of faggots and the things of, you know, it's like a burger that's round that you cook, isn't it? It's like yeah. a meat thing, but faggot <laughs> is a... Toss, faggots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a bundle of twigs, isn't it, basically? Yes. So, it, again, it's a byproduct. So, when you coppice, um, to hazel coppice, um, you can use a lot of the, the thicker material for in your garden for 
um, for your be growing your beans and you can also use the really thick stuff for fence posts and things like that so that mm. all gets used but then you get the sort of scraggy bits at the end which normally don't really have a use for yeah um, but what you can do is you can basically bind them together um, and then you can use them almost like a, a dead hedge but within the river yeah because we're actually standing by so because there's a bit of concrete there's a little step down there there's a yeah. bit of board which is a a wooden revetment to yes. hold that bit of stop that yep. eroding out so what's this little bit here for um now i don't know what that is for but i imagine it gets used quite a lot by people um putting their dogs in so yeah. we quite often um this bit we haven't put in ourselves i will say that yeah but it's probably all quite old isn't it quite old piece of probably just been here as part you know someone's probably put it in in the past as a revetment which we wouldn't do now but um it is quite handy when we do works we're doing these revetment works that we put in um dog splash areas yeah. so dogs can get in and out of there because the dogs getting up and down off the the bank and into the to the river causes an awful lot of erosion yeah um so now we quite often work those into the work that we're doing mm. so that there is a place for people to do that that isn't going to cause any further damage yeah. now this is a typical winter path isn't it because it's yes. muddy and wet and it's yeah. quite gravelly in places. Yeah, so in Hampshire, um, the, the normal surface for most rights away is the natural one that you would find there. So yeah. in a lot of cases, that is mud, um, which does mean that it changes with the season. So in the summer, it's going to be dry and hard and probably easy to walk across in any kind of shoe. Yeah. Whereas as we get through winter, it's going to be susceptible to the rain. Um, which does mean that you need to be wearing sensible shoes. Um, this is it. It's just there's no such thing as the wrong weather, but just the wrong clothing. I've heard somebody say once, <laughs> yeah, you know. Absolutely, that is definitely the case with rights away. Um, we do find routes that that will get, you know, really susceptible to to bad drainage or to the rain, and those kind of cases would be reported to us through our online reporting system. Yeah. And then we can look at them to see whether they need further surfacing or the vegetation cut back so light can get in or grips, drainage grips added. But a lot of it is more down to actually sometimes just accepting the fact it's going to be wet in the winter, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it is going to be wet in, in the winter. If you've got the right shoes on, you'll be fine. Yeah. Nice sturdy boots. Actually noticing the difference. Oh, there is a trout. You can see that sand, that gravelly patch out there? It's yep. just turned around. Well known for its trout here. Yes. Can't tell you whether it's a, a brown or a rainbow trout. I mean, clearly the sidearm here, because it, it's like what they call braiding, isn't it? Yeah. Where the river divides up and there's little channels and they all work together later and stuff like that. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, so in Hampshire, the River Itchen doesn't really get much chance to do the, the sort of braiding and, and having those extra channels off because of, you know, the urban nature and the fact that man has, mm. has sort of um, adapted the, the landscape. Um, if it was left natural, then we probably would have quite a few of these kind of backwaters. Yeah. Um, on the sides of the, the main channel. And actually this is part of what we might term natural flood management these days, because um, up until recently, the best thing, people, people's response to flooding was get the water off my land as quick as possible. Yeah. But that just gives you problems downstream. Cause yes. If, you know what's downstream of here, it's Winchester, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's only a few years ago when there was massive flooding, and um, but they've done some protection now where they let the water spread out in the meadows above Winchester. Yeah. Um, and that stops it being high levels in Winchester itself, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So that's why, you know, flood meadows, <laughs> they flood. Yes. Um, and, and they would protect places like Winchester historically, but they are also very good as a habitat and they're good for wildlife. Oh, so yeah. it, it's, you know, it's a good solution mm. to kind of balance out nature and, and those urban areas and what we need. Yes. Yeah, we're talking about coming into winter and um, you know, Carly just spotted a flock of long-tailed tits coming through and this gold crest was part of that flock. Because clearly through the summer and spring, these birds, they're on territory, they need to defend it so they've got enough food to feed their young. Most birds do that. But then that sort of break, that necessity breaks down when you get into the winter. It's more about finding food and avoiding predators. Um, and one way of doing that is plenty of eyes to look out for predators. Right, okay. If, if you're on your own here and you're trying to feed, you're not paying attention to anything else and a sparrow can pr probably get you quite quickly. Yeah. Because if you've got a flock of 20 or 30 birds, hopefully one bird will see it while the rest are feeding. Um, so it's good this time of year. and you'll f It sounds quite quiet now. You know, there's not much singing now, but suddenly you'll find a big gang of birds coming through. And um, Safety in numbers. Safety in numbers, that's it. <laughs> and... And quite often, because long-tailed tits are more social, and you'll find they've got no sense of space. I saw them on my feeders the other day, and they're packed in. Yeah. Oh, I can hear something else calling out there now. And the core of the flock might be a group of long-tailed tits, but there might be blue tits, great tits, cold tits. I can hear a grey wagtail. Yeah. Um, yeah, so cold tits, long-tailed tits, um, sometimes even woodpeckers, um, goldcrests, maybe chiff-chaffs, and they all join together out of safety yeah yeah and actually that uh, grey wagtail nine times out of ten you find them by rivers yeah um, and they'll nest in hollows under bridges and you know they, they like a little hole not a hole like a blue tip but like a crevice to go in yeah and build their nests okay but they're beautiful aren't they they're yeah. bright yellow underneath yeah Numbers of times I hear I've got a yellow wagtail <laughs> and you go, no, that's a grey. Yeah. I know it's got yellow on it, <laughs> but that's a grey wagtail. The yellow wagtail migrate, they go down to Africa for the, for the winter. Yeah. So they're one of the species that go entirely. <laughs> oh, here's some of your faggots. Yes. Well, your faggots. Did you put these ones in? <laughs> I didn't put these ones in, no. <laughs> These, these, looking at the chalk here, this looks like quite a new um, addition. So we did have um, some of the Sparshot guys out um, not that long ago, sort of back end of the summer. Um, so I imagine this is, this is their handiwork. So what we've got, we've got, I'm standing on a bit of chalk. We've got the gravel of the path, I'm on a bit of chalky bit. There's a board. Yep. All the chalks round behind the board. Yep. And they've got the faggot in front, haven't we? Yes, yeah. So... We've backfilled with chalk, which will be naturally sourced chalk from Hampshire. Yeah. That means that it doesn't have anything nasty in it that can leach into, into the river. Um, then we use oak revetment boards. Um, we use oak because they last longer. They've got, um, they're harder, so they, they do last. Um, and then to offset that kind of hard, sharp um, boarding, we then have the faggots in front within the river, um, in, within the water. And that's the thing, because if it's just a board, there's very little places for any seeds to set or things yeah, to grow. Whereas absolutely. in the faggots, there's already a bit of... Is this watercress? It does look like it, yeah. So I think that you have to be careful for fool's watercress. Yeah. Which is a plant that looks similar, but I think that is actually watercress in there, isn't it? Yeah. 
people sometimes take this, but you do have to be careful with watercress grown in an area with sheep around because you can get flukes, liver flukes yep. from the sheep. So you've got to be a bit careful <laughs> what, you, what you take. Uh, but also I can see, because the water's so gin clear, we're looking on the, the side stream at the moment, you can see there's plenty of weed down the bottom. There might be starwort, I think. Yep. Um, and part of the ability to grow down there is the fact they can still photosynthesize because the light so gets clear. through. Yeah. 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 Beautiful water, isn't it? You almost feel you could drink it. You probably could. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about things about preparing for the winter, so like the birds grouping together. You know, some birds clearly like some of the warblers and the yellow wagtails. They all disappear down south. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Mind <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, might be not that easy enough for us. I mean, get on a plane. But if you've got to fatten up and then physically fly that far, yeah. it's probably not that easy flying no. all the way to the other side of the Sahara. No, um, not. So there's different coping mechanisms, isn't there, for yeah. getting through the winter. Um, one of them is clearly hibernation. Yes. Um, do you know much about hibernation? I know a little bit. <laughs> not an expert, though. <laughs> so do you know which, which animals hibernate? Sorry, it's not supposed to be a test. <laughs> Actually, there's not that many mammals, maybe, that hibernate. Yeah. Snakes and other yeah. lizards, they all hibernate. They Absolutely, do. and things like adders are well known yeah. for communal hibernation. Now, essentially, what they're doing is they go somewhere relatively safe and cool, um, and they reduce their body activity down to an absolute minimum. Far fewer, down to about 5% of normal activity. Heartbeats reduce, temperature reduces, um, breathing reduces. Um, they rely on sort of, because particularly for insect eating species, um, not the um, most uh, snakes are, but, <laughs> but things like bats do, yeah. uh, hedgehogs do. Um, it's not a lot of insects out, is there? No. In the, through the winter. So they just go into a torpor. Um, they'll find somewhere you can have big communal roosts. I mean, there's a, on Baystoke Canal, that's one of our sites, there's Greywell Tunnel. Yeah. which is quite a long tunnel, but part of it is collapsed. So it's like a blind cave, which is fantastic because it's very stable temperature in there. And it's yeah. some of the biggest bat roosts in Europe are in this place. Um, so they reduce their heart rate and slow everything right down. Um, and that's how they get through the winter. Um, they might wake up now and then. I mean, I was um, doing much, as a bird watcher, I traditionally go out on New Year's Day and try and see, because you start a new year list, try and see yeah. whatever you can on the first year. Yeah. It gets you out after Christmas, that's to be said. <laughs> and actually there's a bridge just further up from here where I stopped. It was about midday, I was trying to look for some water birds. So I noticed this bat flying around. Midday on New Year's Day. A little bit out of season. A little bit out of season, <laughs> yeah. It was quite mild, but they will naturally wake up, have a bit of move, move around. Oh, it's Kingfisher. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we interrupted ourselves there. The kingfisher just shot past. And people, quite often, depends which way they are, think they're either orange or blue. <laughs> we saw the blue back, didn't we? We did, yeah. Not the orange belly. <laughs> um, yeah, so bats hibernate. Um, hedgehogs. Yep. And dormouse. Yes. Now, dormouse, it's in the name door, as in sleep, you know, dormouse. I think it's French, isn't it, dormer? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's in its, it's sleepy mouse, basically. <laughs> and they spend quite a proportion of the year um, hibernating. Yeah. Um, and there is a it's, a... it's it's all 
related to a thing called diapause. So okay. you can have summer hibernations as well. Most people think winter hibernation. Yeah. But in the summer, as things get dry, particularly this summer, quite a lot of trees, particularly young ones, they started going brown and looking like they were dead. Yeah. And well, that's a normal reaction. There's just not enough water, it's too much heat stress. Okay, I'll retract everything in and save my energy when the, it's wetter again and I can grow my leaves again. So there's, there is the equivalent of summer hibernation. Oh, I uh, learnt something new there. I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> um, actually, clearly, with the leaves falling off the trees, they're doing the same thing in the, in the winter, aren't they? Yeah, they're preparing yeah. themselves. So we're walking, say, we're walking out on a right-of-way at the moment. Yeah. This is a footpath. It is indeed. So you can walk on it, you clearly. Can, yeah, you can walk on it. You're allowed to take what they call normally a compliment, don't they? Yes. Yes, um, so that would include a dog. Yeah, um, but would it, would it include a fishing rod if I wanted to fish here? Oh, that's a good question. Probably not, no. No. But <laughs> if there's fishing rights on here and you're here because you're allowed to fish, yes. then that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you can cycle on a bridleway and a byway, can't you? Yeah, but yeah. you can't cycle on here. Um, you can if you've got landowner's permission, um, but if you were cycling on here without landowner's permission, it would be classed as trespass. And clearly as we're getting further, I mean, you know, the clock's changed a couple of weeks back. Yeah. Uh, much darker. Darkness descends far more quickly. You know, yeah. is there any safety considerations, do you think? Yeah, so um, before you go out, make sure you tell someone where you're going um, and, and rough times for, for when you're going to be back. You might even do want to do check-ins whilst you're mm. um, out and about just to say where you've got to. Um, also make sure that you're not still walking when it's dark. Um, or carry a torch. Or carry a torch, <laughs> yeah. but ideally get back before it's dark. Um, also if you can, take a phone with you um, so you can make contact um, if something does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for those check-ins and most importantly make sure you've got a map with you and actually i've got an app on my phone which is the the ordnance survey map yeah i and use clearly, the same thing yeah. and um, actually also very useful is an app called what three words yes what three words is amazing so um that then gives you an exact place of where you are it gives you some very funky three words for the location um they can be very random um, but then you can then give that to emergency services or someone to be able to find you and it pins it right down as well. So, so 10 square metres, Yeah, isn't it? 10 square metres. So you can actually, it's much easier to find someone. We now use it a lot of the time for when we get reports in, a lot of people will give those those. Because you said, as you say, it's footpath 12? Uh, 18. 18. If I, I wouldn't know that. I probably wouldn't know which parish I'm in. Yeah. I might go, I stop by the pub up the road. You know, I can't remember what the name of the pub is. Yeah. Um, but I've seen something, something on the radio the other day where this woman was having a severe asthma attack. And the, um, she called 99 and they sent her a link and she clicked on it and it immediately gave them the what three words. And they say it can be, can be handbag, cheesecake, you know. <laughs> <laughs> really, really random words. Very random. But the emergency services use it. So if, you, if, you, if everything happens or if you're trying to pinpoint where, you know, maybe the, the revetment's collapsed or something. Yeah. What three words is a very useful tool for finding issues and finding people, isn't yes. it? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, we've seen quite a bit, haven't we? I think it's lovely here. You yeah. know, it's a lovely little walk, and it's particularly right next to the chalk stream here. So I've really enjoyed meeting you out here today. You too, Andy. Yeah, and hopefully see you soon. You too.
Andy, do you have a favourite walk? I've actually got the Wayfarer's Walk right outside my door. I can literally step out of my back door straight onto the Wayfarer's Walk. That's cool. And that takes you into a lovely network right around the local parish. Mm-hmm. It was really enjoyable. I mean, this is lovely. I'll have to come here again. Yeah. It's a while since I've been here. It's only 10 minutes from my house. <laughs> you know, and it's amazing what you can find that close to your house. It is. We have look. some great walks in Hampshire that take in all different types of landscapes. We are very lucky, aren't we? Absolutely, yes, yes. Did you notice the faggots down here, look? I did. What do you think of when you talk about faggots? Food. Food, yes, absolutely. But it's also, because they used to bundle these sticks up, it's all waste tips, twigs and stuff like yeah. that. And they used to burn them um, to heat bread ovens. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing, isn't it, what's the use they're being put to now? Yeah. So, do you know how many miles we walk in an average lifetime, Andy? Well, I think that's going to vary. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, most a lot of people that sit in front of their computers and stuff don't walk, but this is an average. So, how many steps do you reckon? I wouldn't have or a miles, clue. Sorry. I mean, I was, I, I was listening to the radio this morning. They were suggesting we should be doing twenty to 30,000 a day. Now, steps, steps a day, yeah, not miles. Um, it's nowhere near I'm walking that far, but how many? What's the average? So the average is 65,000 miles in somebody's lifetime. And that's equivalent to walking three times around the Earth. So I could have walked several times to Australia. Well, you could say that, but you haven't. So no, you I haven't. No, that, that's no. not why I have. <laughs> some people have, though. So some people, but not many, have circumnavigated the globe by foot. But the rules for this are very, very stringent. And there are only around 14 people that have actually done that. Well, strictly speaking, because if you start, if you were in Antarctica, you could walk around the pole, couldn't you? Yeah. That's so that not could round, be the, round that the could world. be around the world. <laughs> so I hope you have all enjoyed this episode of Looking After Nature. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or thoughts, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, you can let us know by checking out our social media pages. And we'd really appreciate it if you can rate or review our podcast on iTunes, as this helps other people find us. For now, thanks again for listening. I'm Andy Davidson. And I'm Carly Harrod. See you next time. Bye.